So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. And about six months after, uh, Mr. Defato calls me and says, you know, hey, is it is it hard to, to run an auto repair shop? I'm like, I, you know, I, I don't know, Mike, do you know anything about cars? He's like, not a thing. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty freaking hard then. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast, and I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. If you're hearing some background noise, I'm actually on the trade floor of SEMA which is a massive car industry show in Las Vegas. Great show, highly recommend. Perhaps it wasn't the wisest move on my part to try to podcast from a trade show floor, but let's have some fun anyway. So this week, we're talking to Eric Rutherford, a prestige European auto service in Florida. Eric started out on his own, but then met Mike through a very interesting situation. They eventually became business partners. Eric was a master tech, and Mike was from corporate America. They learn how to mesh these two worlds together to deploy some strategies that you're going to love for your shop. This is a fun episode, so stay tuned. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me effortlessly increase car count. Eric, super happy to have you on the show, man. Thank you, Thomas. Pleasure to be here. So I know you really well, uh, but our listeners may not. So for the record, who are you? Uh, my name is Eric Rutherford. I uh, own Prestige European in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I've been in the industry a little over 20 years now. And I've known Thomas, you for four or five now. You know you, you know a lot of my history as well. You were there from, from the beginning. It's been a ride. For sure. So Eric, how did you get into the industry? So I've always really liked cars. I've always really liked taking things apart, working with my hands. Um, you know, I, I, I've always known I wanted to work on cars. Um, you know, I had a little bit of trouble into high school, decided to go to uh, uh, tech school and just it all clicked. You know, in high school, I really I, I never understood what I was going to need algebra for. I never understood all that stuff. Day one of uh, tech school, I, I understood like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. Um, so I went to tech school, um, you know, went through the BMW step program, uh, moved to South Florida started working on BMWs. That's great. So you start working for a dealership or did you work for an independent? What did that look like? 
Um, I was at a, I was uh, dealerships. You know, I was working at South Motors BMW in South Miami. Um, I was there for about six months, and I went to Bremen, which is in downtown Miami. Um, I was there for two or three years, and then I moved up to Fort Lauderdale, and I was there for about ten with BMW as a technician, and I eventually became a service advisor. You know, things sound like they were going well. Uh, you know, we know you opened a shop. Like, what led you to do that? You know, I mean, listen, dealership's great for what it is. Um, but I had a family. You know, I just couldn't work 70 hours a week uh, at the dealership anymore. Um, you know, I just knew there was a better way. You know, the dealership really focused on customer service in a lot of ways. Um, so I took all that stuff and I just, I, I knew I could do it better. So I decided to, to take the plunge, open my own shop, and so, you know, so far so good. I mean, tell us about the process of opening up. Like, what did it look like? Did you find a location that had no shop? Did you buy a shop? Like, tell us about that a little bit. Yep, I bought a pre-existing shop. Um, the guy was a Land Rover Saab shop, coincidentally. Wow. Um, yep. We're not sure how that mix came around, but he specialized in Land Rovers and Saabs. And it was an older guy who's been doing it for a long time, was just tired, you know, wanted to move on. Um, I, I actually got really lucky. You know, he, he was in a spot where he wanted to sell and I wanted to buy and it just, it, it worked out well. So I bought that uh, April of 2015. Was it just you that purchased that location or uh, I know you have a partner, Mike, was that, was he part of that deal at that point? I bought that by myself. You know, I think we were doing about 30 grand a month when I bought it. Um, you know, I myself was able to get it to, you know, we did my first year there, we did about three thirty. Uh, my second year there, uh, we did about 500 grand for the year. Third year, I built it up to a six fifty, And I mean, honestly, the wheels were just coming off the bus. I mean, it was insanity. Um, I was a really, really good technician that just didn't know, didn't know much about the business side. Um, you know, funny story, I, I ended up at the first Ratchet and Wrench conference, and uh, Rissy Sutherland was on stage. I'm sure a lot of, uh, a lot of yes. you out there know Rissy Sutherland. Um, she's talking about KPIs this, P&L, and I mean, she might as well have been speaking Spanish. Um, so I, I knew I needed help. Um, I went, you know, interviewed a bunch of coaching companies, uh, picked the one that I thought was the best, and really started to learn the business side. You know, that, that next year, I think we jumped all the way up to 950. Um, that is when I took on my business partner. And if you've, I mean, that's kind of a funny story. I mean, I know you know Thomas, but if, if you want me to elaborate there. Yeah. Tell us the story, man. So my, my, my daughter, uh, plays travel softball. And when she was transitioning from eight U to 10 U, that's when it goes from coach pitch to kid pitch. Right. And my daughter was really good. And this again, 10 years old. So this is going to not make me look the best, but whatever for comedy's sake. Um, and I switched her to a team, uh, you know, a, a, another park and, uh, Mike DeFato was the assistant coach on the team. And, you know, I, I grew up playing baseball. I was a very competitive baseball player and Mike wasn't, you know, he was a dad that was asked to help and he was doing his best. Right. But it just wasn't up to my level of coaching. Right. And again, this is 10 years old, but so, so, you know, I, I decided I didn't want to coach. I wasn't going to be involved. I'm going to let them do their thing. And we went through the season. I don't think we won a game. I mean, it was just bad. 
So I went up to the uh, the head coach. I said, listen, I don't want to coach anymore. You obviously need some help. I'll commit my time. But that guy, he's got to go. He can't be on the field. <laughs> and this is Mike DeFato. Yeah. And the guy's like, no, he's a really nice guy. He's just helping. I'm like, great, but he's teaching the girls wrong. He's got to go, right? And uh, <laughs> God, so bad. So, uh, you know, he talks. He's like, listen, he's going to help out, blah, blah, blah. So he did. And, I mean, obviously, Mike's a great guy. So we became friends. Um, I moved on to a different team. And about six months after, uh, Mr. DeFato calls me and says, you know, hey, is it is it hard to, to run an auto repair shop? I'm like, I, you know, I, I don't know, Mike, do you know anything about cars? He's like, not a thing. I'm like, well, yeah, it's pretty freaking hard then. <laughs> and he's like, no, I know this guy who's selling a, uh, selling one, you know, you want to go in, go in uh, on the shop with me. And, you know, at the time I was working 70, 80 hours a week, you know, which ironically, that's kind of what I was trying to get away from. But, um, you know, and I just told him, I said, there is no way I can do a second shop. So he's like, well, just come look at it, you know, give me your opinion and tell me if it's, if, if it's something I should do. So I was looking at it and, uh, you know, I think they're asking a hundred grand for the shop. And I still to this day, don't even know why I said it. I was like, Oh, we'll give you 50 guys. Like, all right, done. I was like, wow. Okay. And, uh, you know, throughout the process, we're negotiating the lease. Uh, the landlord was just an old school guy. And for anybody that knows Mike, he can be a little, uh, creative when he's negotiating. Um, and the guy just got flustered. He's like, you know what? Just buy the building. I'll hold the note. We're like, seriously. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. You know, so it's funny. We're, we're, we're at the lawyer's office. We signed all the papers. You know, we, we signed the note on the building. We bought the business. And, uh, you know, I looked over, I was like, Hey man, well, we own a building and a business together. I was like, you know, I apologize for trying to get you kicked out of the park. That was, that was not a cool thing to do. <laughs> so that's, you know, and, and what's funny about that is, you know, I was doing an interview for Ratchet and Wrench with Rissy Sutherland and uh, she published that story in Ratchet and Wrench actually. So what happened next? I mean, you, you guys, you know, form your partnership, you buy the shop. Like, yeah. Talk, talk, so, talk. you know, we did zero market research on this shop. We didn't do anything. We literally hired an advisor and a tech and said, great, you guys need to go do 50 grand a month. Let me know. Good. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't quite that simple, but I mean, it was knowing what we know now. And we didn't do any marketing. It just, it failed miserably. You know, I mean, we, it, it was more of an ego thing. And I mean, you know, Thomas was involved in this whole thing, but we just, we just, we didn't put in the work that was needed to make it successful. Um, and in this whole thing, I was seeing a lot of gray area, right? Like I was having customers call me and it's like, why would I send somebody to the shop that I own half of and not the shop that I own a hundred percent of? And I just didn't like uh, the potential issue. So I told Mike, I'm like, listen, man, I was like, I'm either going to buy you out or you're going to buy half of mine. I just, it's not really fair to anybody to, to have the situation. And he's like, all right, how much? And I, you know, threw a number out there and he's like, all right, cool. I'll buy half. Oh, okay. You know, this was about a year after I tried to get kicked off the softball team. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he bought in, you know, and I mean, you know, fast forward, we now own three shops together, um, have two more coming and it's, it's going well, you know, that, the thing I say is, is it's, it works so well because I'm your typical hard-headed technician who was really good, and Mike is a business person. He came from corporate America, so he taught me the business side. I taught him the car side, and it's, it, it's working out very well. 
Did you guys always get along? I mean, obviously, you know, with the sports team, that was different. But uh, once you formed your partnership, I mean, was it always smooth sailing or was there points when you guys butted heads? Um, in the beginning, it was rough, you know. And again, I was working in the business and Mike was working on it, right? So, you know, I'm out there sweating my butt off, flagging 10 hours in a day, and he's calling me on the phone asking me, you know, what this credit card charge was because he's doing a P&L review. I'm just like, dude, are you kidding me right now? You know, and uh, and, and, and it, it, it was because I didn't understand the working on the business part of it at that time, right? I was your typical business owner that that every everything ran through me, and I, I designed it that way. Again, it was it was an ego thing. So in the beginning, yes, uh, he taught me, again, the business side. Um, so once I understood what we were doing in each other's roles, it's, it's, been, it's been fine. How did you make that transition? Well, um, it, it was a tough one. And, you know, I, honestly, I, it's going to sound weird, but I got lucky. You know, COVID happened. Um, the way I, the way I set up my shop, which I think the typical shop owner does this is, you know, I open the doors, I close the doors, uh, every check went through me. Um, you know, a lot of shop owners complain about that, but it's an ego hit. Everybody likes coming in at nine o'clock and Hey boss, Hey boss, you know, you got to put out all these fires. It makes you feel good. Like this place can't operate without me. Um, and I, and I, I fell into that trap. Um, you know, Mike was getting me out. I was, you know, I was doing more. You know, I'd locked up the toolbox. I was doing more of a shop foreman type thing um, and doing that kind of thing. And uh, and COVID happened. And, you know, I'm a huge germaphobe. I've been a germaphobe for years. I didn't know what COVID was about. I was not leaving my house for that first couple months. And, you know, that, I mean, I think it was that March, everybody struggled. And then April, we had a record month. You know, May came around, we had a record month. And I'm just like, how are these guys having these record months with, without me? And that's kind of when it hit me. I was like, oh, crap. You know, it's I've actually been holding it back. You know, because there was no systems. I was the system. Um, so that really opened up my eyes to, hey, you know, let me back up a little bit. You know, we had a, a young shop foreman, extremely smart guy. He was just young and didn't want to tell me any of his ideas because, I, I, you know, I don't know if he didn't want to fail. I, you know, I, I'm not sure why. But with me forcing myself out, he had no choice but to step up and be the leader that I, I didn't know he could be. And I, I don't think he knew it, he knew it either. But he, he, he uh, really put a breath of fresh air into that place and you know, showed me that, hey, maybe my way wasn't the perfect way to do it. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their client sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust Leads Near Me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. You and Mike are making, you know, some big moves. I mean, you I, you know, multiple locations. Uh, you went from working in the business to working on the business. Mm-hmm. You know, tell us a little bit more about that process. I mean, you, you got out of the shop. What, what happened next? 
Well, um, and I do have one thing to add to getting out of the shop. This is a story that I like to tell a lot of people who are struggling with this. Yeah. You know, there was this guy, we, we used to work on a bunch of old Land Rovers, Defenders, and you know, we used to put Corvette engines in them. And I had this customer that was just always hanging around the shop. He liked that kind of stuff. And I asked him one day, I'm like, dude, don't you have a job? You know, he goes, no, I own businesses. And he kind of saw my, 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 my facial expression, you know, cause I'm just like, you know, that, that can't be. And, uh, he said, listen, can you leave here for three weeks, maybe a month and have your business be the same or better? And I'm like, absolutely not. This guy tapped me on the shoulder and said, dude, you don't own a business. You own a job. And he walked out and it was like a sledgehammer right to the chest. I was like, holy crap. I mean, it changed my whole world. He was exactly right. I mean, it was a good job. Don't get me wrong, but it was a job. Um, so, you know, that just, that really catapulted me into like, Hey, I need to become a business person, not a technician that happens to own a shop. What are some keys that you would leave on working with a partner and, and making big moves like this? Our big thing was we're, we're very upfront. Um, everything is, you know, we have our responsibilities, how are we holding each other accountable? You know, very clear communication. Um, I mean, that's, that's huge in a partnership. I mean, the bigger thing is you, you have to share a vision, right? Um, I can't be going this way, Mike going this way. So we, we really sat down and, uh, Ashley Citatello turned me onto this book. It's called Traction by Gino Wickman. And we really put that into place and we thought long and hard about what's our vision statement. Like, what are we as a company? And we decided at that point that we are going to be a customer service business, right? Who happens to repair cars, you know, and, and our whole thing, you know, I, I think our mission statement, well, I don't think I know our mission statement is customer service above all else, right? We went through a couple and that's the one that we, that we landed on. And it's, it's really what has, has led to, to huge growth over the last, last couple of years. Um, our employees know it, you know, we don't have to have these long drawn out systems anymore. It's like, Hey, this is the, this is the spirit of the rule, right? If you have a question on how to interpret it, what is in the best interest of customer service of great customer service? We've just really taken all the good things that let's say the dealership does, but you know, we go to like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. They've got one of the best customer service training uh, classes in the country. You know, so we learn from them. And, and again, we just completely go at it as we're in the hospitality industry and Hey, we can give you an oil change while you're here. So, you know, we've, we've really uh, implemented, implemented that um, into our systems. And once we, you know, we spent a couple, you know, two or three years ironing that out, but now what we're able to do now that it's, it's rock solid, we can go in we can buy a shop, implement our systems, very quickly change the culture. And, you know, we, now we're not doing all the in the business stuff. We hire good people, teach them our ways. We'd work on the back end stuff. And we've been able to, you know, again, I mean, we're at shop number three. We've got two more coming. Um, and to that point, you know, we started discussing, well, why won't this work in the, in the marine industry? Um, so we started looking at that and we're actually under contract to buy a boat repair place right now. Because, you know, I don't know if anybody out there has a boat, you go into a boat place and they just look at you crazy. Like, you know, well, you know, in three months we might get to your, your, your boat. You know, it's very, the mentality in that, in that industry is, is you are lucky to have me working on your boat. Not the way it should be is they are lucky to have you, you know, the customer bring their boat in. 
How do you support the customer service vision? You, you touched on systems. Is that the mm-hmm. key to having great customer service? How, how do you build that? The systems are a good structure. You know, the customer service is more, it's, it's just a belief. You know, um, the customer is more important than anything, right? Uh, well, and I take that back because, you know, employees are obviously more important. You know, you have to invest in your people to, to, to teach them the benefits of great customer service. Right. And then I mean, it's just been, you know, we do, we have a seven year, 77,000 mile warranty, which we, which we back, you know, we're, we're very, we're very passionate about it. Um, you, you know, anytime your car breaks down, it's never at a convenient time. It's not like, you know, I was going on vacation next week anyway. This is perfect. It's always, you're late, you know, you're, you're, you're going to pick up your kids. So we really wanted to take that stress out of the auto repair process. Uh, that's how it started. And it just, I mean, it's just worked so well. I mean, people come to us, you know, with, for, with a Land Rover that's in warranty and they're just like, man, I, I can't deal with my dealer anymore. Like, I don't, I don't even care. I'll just pay for it. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, I, I see a lot of, you know, old school um, shop owners with that same mentality. You know, they've gotten so good at a certain kind of car that they feel that the customer's lucky to have them working on their car. And it's just, it's, it's a very backwards view in my opinion. Yeah, it's a, it's a stance of humility and and willingness to serve versus you know demanding undue respect. What Absolutely, it and it's not easy because I mean we all know some of these customers. <laughs> um, but again, at, at the end of the day, it's 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 what has allowed us to grow so quickly. You built this culture of you know customer service, and that's your mission statement. That's that's a passion that has driven your business forward out of the gate. Was it easy for your staff to latch onto that? Or was that a process? It was a, it was a very long process uh, to answer your question. Um, it was not an easy sell. Well, not that it wasn't an easy sell. It was hard to get them to understand the importance of it to not, this isn't a marketing gimmick. This is something we truly believe that this industry needs is great customer service. I mean, you go to Disneyland in Orlando, right? You can stay at a $60 a night Motel 6, or you can stay at a $300 a night five-star Hilton. It's the same thing. You have a bathroom, you have a bed, but why would you be willing to pay more money? It's the sheets are nicer, uh, the rooms are nicer, they're updated, but it's how you're treated. I mean, the customer service is better. So people value that. They are willing to pay the extra money to receive that extra value. You know, we, we learned a long time ago that, that cost doesn't really matter as long as the value outweighs the cost. And we've just found that people really value great customer service. I mean, it's just like, I, I don't want to say lost art, but it's like a dying art. I mean, people are just not good at customer service anymore, you know. And honestly, I think COVID has set it back a couple of years um, and we just doubled down. And I mean, it's it's just working great for us. But, you know, to answer your question... Um, it, it was constant training. It's, you know, if, if you ever have an employee that is questioning what you're doing or doesn't understand it, it's because I haven't done a good enough job of explaining the why of explaining the importance. Um, so it's, it's understanding that it's going to be a slow process and not just saying, Hey, we're good customer service guys. Now have fun. It's, you know, putting them in classes and, and constant training. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing that we have, uh, found to really, well, I guess we haven't found it. Mike McCallowitz found it, but you've got to let the employees fail in order to really let the good coaching begin. Right now, not so much with front service staff, but technicians. I mean, 
they are a fickle group. Um, you know, they, and, and rightly so they know a lot about a lot of different things. So when you come in and say, no, this is more important. They're like, yeah, whatever, man. So you have to let them get into a situation where, you know, it's going to possibly blow up in their face and then be there on the back end to just say, okay, man, you know, I got you. Don't worry. This is what I probably would have done to have a different outcome. Because now they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess that does make sense. Um, so there's a lot of trust, you know, just patience. So that's, but yeah, so it was a, a, it was a process. It did not happen overnight. So where are things at now? You said, you know, three locations, like walk us through what you guys have built at this point. Right. So our main shop, Prestige European, um, I mean, we'll probably do just shy of 4 million this year, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's some big growth. Uh, the, we've taken over. So we've decided to, to build a brand, um, in the Asian domestic world and we've called it auto repair pros. So we're buying, um, shops that haven't been managed right over the last couple of years, you know? Um, and we're again, cleaning them up, uh, implementing our systems. Um, we've got two currently, uh, auto repair pros. We've got another one on, under contract and then we're going to be merging with another big European shop in our area. So, I mean, our goal is to have hopefully 10 of these in the next two years and really just, you know, do some really good things in this industry. That's exciting. I, I love your vision. I love the vision you guys have built with your staff and it just shows that when you put the customer first, like you said, everything else seems to fall into place. You know, you're, yeah. you're building a, an empire and and it's incredible to watch man super proud of you thank you last question if you were a car what kind of car would you be that is a thomas question for sure <laughs> um i don't know what that means <laughs> <laughs> no it's a question that makes you think <laughs> oh, there you it was go. a compliment for sure <laughs> cool um i don't know that's a hard one you know i mean i i go at a at a very fast pace you know, my personal favorite car is a McLaren, so I'll go with that. You know, we do things uh, correctly, in my opinion, and just we figured out a way to do it at a very quick pace. So I'll say McLaren 720. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. You've left a lot of great clues for the, our listeners, and I'm grateful for your time. All right. I appreciate it, Thomas. Thank you. Thanks, man. That was my interview with Eric Rutherford. I want this show to serve and impact as many people in the industry as possible. To help me in that mission, please leave us a review, subscribe to the show, and tell others about us. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. Thanks. Have a great week. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.